to enter out into that silence that was the city at 8 o'clock of a misty evening in November, to put your, put your feet upon that buckling concrete walk, to step over grassy seams and make your way, hands in pockets, through the silence, that was what Mr. Leonard Mead most dearly loved to do. He would stand upon the corner of an intersection and peer down long moonlit avenues of sidewalk in four directions, deciding which way to go. But it really made no difference. He was alone in this world of A.D. 2053, or as good as alone. And with the final decision made, a path selected, he would stride off, sending patterns of frosty air before him like the smoke of a cigar. Sometimes he would, he would walk for hours and miles and return only at midnight to his house. And on his way, he would see the cottages and homes with their dark windows, and it was not unequal to walking through a graveyard where only the faintest glimmers of firefly light appeared in flickers behind the windows. Sudden gray phantoms seemed to manifest upon inner room walls where a curtain was still undrawn against the night or there were whisperings and murmurs where a window in a tomb-like building was still open. Mr. Leonard Mead would pause, cock his head, listen, look, and march on, making his feet no noisy on the lumpy walk. For long ago, he had wisely changed to sneakers when strolling at night, because the dogs in intermittent squads would parallel his journey with barkings if he wore hard heels, and lights might click on and faces appear, and an entire street be startled by the passing of a lone figure himself in the early November evening. On this particular evening, he began his journey in a westerly direction, toward the hidden sea. There was a good crystal frost in the air, it cut the nose and made the lungs blaze like a Christmas tree inside. You could feel the cold light going on and off. All the branches filled with invisible snow. He listened to the faint push of his soft shoes through autumn leaves at satisfaction and whistled a cold, quiet whistle between his teeth, occasionally picking up a leaf as he passed examining its skeletal pattern and the infrequent lamplights as he went on, smelling its rusty smell. Hello in there. He whispered to every house on every side as he moved. What's up tonight on Channel 4, Channel 7, Channel 9? Where are the cowboys rushing? And do I see the United States Cavalry over the next hill to the rescue? The street was silent and long and empty, with only his shadow moving like the shadow of a hawk in mid-country. If he closed his eyes and stood very still, frozen, he could imagine himself upon the center of a plain, a wintry, windless Arizona desert with no house in a thousand miles, and only dry river beds the streets for company. What is it now? He asked the houses, noticing his wristwatch. 8.30 p.m., time for a dozen assorted murders, a quiz, a review, a comedian falling off the stage. Was that a murmur of laughter from within a moon-white house? He hesitated, but went on when nothing more happened. He stumbled over a particularly uneven section of sidewalk. The cement was vanishing under flowers and grass. And ten years of walking by night or day, for thousands of miles, he had never met another person walking. 
not once and all that time. He came to a clover leaf intersection when which stood silent where two main highways crossed the town. During the day, it was a thunderous surge of cars, the gas stations opened, a great insect rustling, and a ceaseless jockeying for position for the scar, scar, scarab beetles. A faint incense, puttering from their exhaust, skimmed homeward to the far directions. But now these highways, too, were like streams in a dry season, all stone and bed and moon radiance. He turned back on a side street, circling around his t toward his home. He was within a block of his destination when the lone car turned a corner quite suddenly and flashed a fierce white cone of light upon him. He stood entranced, not unlike a night moth, moth, stunned by the illumination and then drawn toward it. A metallic voice called to him. Stand still. Stay where you are. Don't move. He halted. Put up your hands. But. Your hands up or we'll shoot. The police, of course, but what a rare, incredible thing. In a city of three million, there was only one police car left. Wasn't that correct? Ever since a year ago, 2052, the election year, the force had been cut down from three cars to one. Crime was ebbing. There was no need for the police, save for this one lone car wandering and wandering the empty streets. Your name? Said the police car in a metallic whisper. He couldn't see the men in it for the bright light in his eyes. Leonard Mead. Speak up. Leonard Mead. Business or profession? I guess you'd call me a writer. No profession. He hadn't written in years. Magazines and books didn't sell anymore. Everything went on the tomb-like houses at night now, he thought. Continuing his fancy, the tombs ill-lit by television light, where the people sat like dead, gray, or multicolored lights touching their faces, but no one was really ever touching them. No profession? What are you doing out? Walking. Walking? Just walking. Walking? Just walking. Walking? Yes, sir. Walking where? For what? Walking for air. Walking to sea. Your address? 11 South St. James Street. And there is air in your house. You have an air conditioner, Mr. Mead. Yes. And you have a viewing screen in your house to see with? No. No? Are you married, Mr. Mead? No. Not married? Nobody wanted me. Don't speak unless you're spoken to. Just walking, Mr. Mead? Yes. But you haven't explained for what purpose. I explained. For air and to sea, and just to walk. Have you done this often? Every night for years. Well, Mr. Mead. Is that all? Yes. Here. There was a sigh, a pop. The back door of the police cars sprang wide. Get in. Wait a minute, I haven't done anything. Get in. I protest. Mr. Mead. He walked like a man suddenly drunk. As he passed the front window of the car, he looked in. As he had expected, there was no one in the front seat. No one in the car at all. Get in. He put his hand to the door and peered into the back seat, which was a white, uh, a, a little cell, a little black jail with bars. It smelled of riveted steel. It smelled of harsh antispectic. It smelled too clean and hard and metallic. There was nothing soft there. Now, if you had a wife to give you an alibi... But where are you taking me? The car hesitated, or rather gave a faint wearing click, as if information somewhere 
was dropping card by punch slotted card under electric eyes. To the psychiatric center for research on the regressive tendencies. He got in. The door shut with a soft thud. The police car rolled through the night avenues, flashing its dim lights ahead. They passed one house on a street on one street. A moment later, one house in an entire city of houses that were dark, but this one particular house had all of its electric lights brightly lit. Every window a loud yellow illumination, square and warm in the co uh, cool darkness. That's my house. No one answered him. The car moved down the empty riverbed streets and off away, leading the empty streets with empty sidewalks and no sound and no motion all the rest of the chill November night.